Welcome to the Giants Huddle, a New York Giants podcast. Welcome to the newest edition of the Giants Huddle podcast. Today's guest, Mike Renner, Pro Football Focuses Draft Analyst. We'll be joined by Mike in just a second, but first want to remind you, you can find the Giants Huddle podcast on Giants.com, the Giants mobile app, and all of your favorite podcast platforms. Go to Giants.com slash podcast to find all of our podcast offerings. Had a chance to catch up with Mike after the Senior Bowl, and we recapped the week and the guys that jumped out to him. So, Mike, um, let's just start really basic first. Who were the guys that you expected to be really good heading into this week that delivered on those expectations? Well, I think the two highest-rated prospects that were on our board coming in definitely delivered. One was Javon Kinlaw. I'm surprised he even showed up because of what you know how good he had, how good his tape was at South Carolina. I think he solidified himself as a top 10 to 15 pick in the upcoming draft. Uh, and the other was Josh Jones from Houston, the offensive tackle. We've been high on him throughout the whole season, 18th overall player on our draft board, uh, and he's been dominant in the one-on-one reps, the best offensive tackle here by far, far and away. I think he's could be getting into that first-round conversation for NFL teams. All right, let's stick with Kinlaw and go to a couple other defensive linemen. I thought in day one, Marlon Davidson might have been as good as Kinlaw with his reps. Unfortunately, he didn't practice the next two days. He hurt his foot. He was in a walking boot. But what were your expectations for him pre-combine in terms of pre-senior bowl in terms of where you thought he would get picked? And do you think he helped himself in his one day of work? Yeah, he was in the 60s on our board heading into this. I saw him as kind of a day two guy uh, just because what he did at Auburn. uh, He was listed at 280 this past season at Auburn, played mostly on the edge there. Uh, but I just didn't think he had the juice to win the edge in the NFL. And so I, I think he realized that, too. Bulks up to 297, shows up here, and kicking inside in the interior at 3-tech was dominating against guards. So he really helped himself out on that first day with one the way in, ticking that box, saying, hey, yeah, I can play on the interior. That's going to be the spot I want to play in the NFL. And then his work against guards looked much, much better than what we saw necessarily on tape at Auburn going against tackles on the outside. So very much a guy who is going to move up my board after what I saw from him here. Now, one guy was interesting on the defensive line because I hadn't really read much about him or watched him heading in here, and that was Jason Straubridge from North Carolina. Just 265, but he lined up as a defensive tackle on most reps here. And first couple reps, whoop, quick feet, got right around the offensive guard. Then a couple reps later, guy's got his hands on him. He didn't have a shot. So how do you project him? Is he a DT? How are NFL teams going to use a guy like that that has such good athleticism? Yeah, I called him such a tweener heading into this because, like you mentioned, even even at North Carolina, his best reps came on the interior, but he is not, you're not playing on the interior 265. That's just not a feasible thing you can do. You're not going to hold up there. Even a guy like uh, Robert Windsor, the Penn State defense tackle, showed up in the high 280s. I just You worry about that guy even being able to see the field for anything other than third down so Strobridge I think still very much a product project in terms of he needs to pick a weight you know you either, you either if you're going to be 265 you got to go outside or he needs to do a Marlon Davidson sort of thing and start gaining some weight if he really wants to play on the interior like he's been doing here I thought Gallimore was the other defensive lineman Neville Gallimore that kind of jumped out at me yeah Neville Gallimore is high in a lot of people's boards very athletic I, I think that's very easy to see compared to some of the other defensive tackles here with his first step and whatnot uh, I think he's still a project prod, project because he has all that athleticism, but it really it seems like he's still kind of going through his moves. It's kind of just like one move, and then he's uh, kind of done. Like He's just not a natural pass rusher by any means. But I think what we saw from him at Oklahoma was a guy who improved literally every single year of his career from a grading perspective. Uh, and so he's a guy that you kind of bet on going forward, continuing to get better like that. And, and he was also a guy who played at 330 the year prior to this, is now down to around 300 and looks like a different player this year. 
Anyone else up front defensive line that, that really jumped to you this week? I think it's been a pretty weak defensive line class necessarily here in general. I think even in the draft, like the edge group is very weak just overall. But I, I'll say Josh Uchi from Michigan. Uh, I, I thought you, you worry about him at 241. Like that's a kind of very much a tweener. Maybe the guy has to translate to off ball, but he's had a few bull rush reps where it's it looks like he could actually you know play with power at the NFL level. And then his ability to bend around the edge is different from pretty much any other edge rusher here. He's pretty special in that regard. So I think he might actually uh, be able to play edge in the NFL. Similar size to a guy like O'Shane Zimenez, uh, who came here last year and weighed in around 242 and had an all right rookie season for the Giants. It's funny, I was going to use him as an example to transition the linebacker because I wasn't sure if Uche was going to be a stand-up guy or a defensive lineman, but I'm happy you mentioned him. Bond is another guy from Wisconsin that I think is interesting. In his pass rush reps, he looked great. Then in his coverage reps, you're like, I see you didn't do this a whole lot of Wisconsin, did you? So how do you guys project him? That one's tough. He could have really helped himself if he, you know, came here and looked, you know, spot on in coverage because it's something he really, like I said, never did in coverage at Wisconsin. Uh, but his pass rushing is fantastic. The way he takes on blocks is fantastic. And he has the athleticism and the movement skills to play coverage. Similar to a guy like comp for him, the draft guy, was Joe Schobert, who played edge at Wisconsin and then dropped off-ball linebackers, one of the best off-ball linebackers in the NFL for the Cleveland Browns. So I think that could be Bond's transition, but it is going to be a rocky one, and it's just not going to happen overnight. Uh, so to expect him to do that, but he has, he has said, I want to be an off-ball linebacker, that's why I want to be playing. But to see him still beat offense tackles, nice little value add there for him. When I'm looking at linebackers, I want a guy that can cover now. You know, Great to have a thumper on first down on a run. You crash down. Downhill was great, but you have to cover. And watching those one-on-one -on -one reps with the linebackers and running backs and the linebackers, no one really jumped at me. Did I miss something, or did I not miss anything? No, I don't think you really missed too much. The, the two guys who I, I think have impressed the most in those are – very much tweener-ish linebacks in terms of Akeem Davis-Gaither, Appalachian State guy. He showed some explosiveness, ability to, to make up ground on running backs, which not a lot of linebackers have been able to do here. I think he has that, but he checked in at 219. Like, he's very much on the low end for linebackers. And then Jeremy Chin, who actually played safety at uh, Southern Illinois, 219 pounds also. Maybe he's a guy who translates to linebacker in the NFL as well. Those were the two that probably jumped out at me the most in terms of the one-on-ones against tight ends and running backs, but very much, uh, I mean, 219 is a safety. It has been a safety for pretty much all of, uh, you know, 100 years of the NFL. Is sort of, we're starting to come around on those guys possibly being linebackers, but it is, they are very undersized. Another guy, let's go to the secondary, Kyle Duggar. I'm not sure how much you guys even graded him, considering he was a Division II guy coming in, how much you guys even watched it. But he looked like he belonged athletically with the Division I guys here in Mobile. Yeah, we obviously have not graded anything outside of the FBS yet this year. We might end up getting some tape and grading. But even then, it's like the competition, the grades really aren't the same. And we've even seen that uh, in Power 5 versus non-Power 5 at the FBS level. So uh, we'll see about him. But he has looked like he belongs here at the Senior Bowl very much. Uh, I think it's a fairly weak safety class in general in, in terms of the guys here. And so he could be pushing his way up some boards, uh, but when it's all said and done. And we saw cornerbacks drop out right before the Senior Bowl started, unfortunately. Uh, Gladney and Fulton, of course, two guys that were supposed to be two of the top corners here. Really good wide receiver class, which we'll get to in a second. But did any of the cornerbacks impress you that maybe coming in you had some questions about? Yes, it's just a terrible cornerback group here in, in general in terms of there might not be a guy that's a first or second round pick among this group. It's just that that's what it is here at the Senior Bowl with the, those guys dropping out. But Troy Pride Jr. of Notre Dame has looked far and away the best cornerback here. Legit makeup speed, just completely unworried about getting beaten deep, uh, and just the smoothest athlete. His press technique has been fantastic so far this week, so he is, he's graded out the best for us in those one-on-ones for sure. 
All right, so let's jump to the other side. They had to take on a really good wide receiver class, and I could go down the list, and we'll talk about a lot of the guys, but Van Jefferson, someone that I hadn't watched heading in, he is one hell of a route runner, and he gets separation every time he goes out there. Yeah, he is very crafty uh, as a route runner. He has such good suddenness in his routes, and the biggest question mark I had with him that we kind of – so I had concerns about on tape at Florida. Is he's just a slightly built dude, and at the line of scrimmage, he would get taken out of just far too many reps. And if you're if you can't get off the line of scrimmage consistently, uh, you're just going to get pressed to death once you get to the NFL, and you're going to get taken out of progressions, and that's not something you want or can even see the football field with. So uh, his ability to get off press coverage is what's impressed me the most down here this season. A few uh, nice releases from him, uh, and like you mentioned, his breaks and routes are just real crisp, and probably one of the best route runners down here. Not not on KJ Hill's level, the Ohio State receiver. That guy's been – he hasn't lost a single rep in our one-on-one grading so far. But, uh, yeah, Van Jefferson's been uh, making himself some money here. What's going on with these Ohio State guys? We show up last year. No one's talking about Terry McLaurin. He blows it up. And that was going to be my next question. I thought KJ Hill this week, no one can cover the dude. He had a one-handed catch today that was thrown behind them. That was just a crazy catch. Why are people not talking about these guys before they show up to the Senior Bowl? I have uh, Brian Hartline, their wide receivers coach, deserves a raise because uh, these guys, I mean, they put up average numbers because there's far too many of them, and uh, they, you know, they they don't really pass the ball a ton there in that Ohio State offense. And K.J. Hill was pretty much a slot-only guy, but he comes here and is going up against press coverage on the outside and just turning guys inside out, putting guys in spin cycles. Like, he is a very gifted route runner, and all those Ohio State guys just – know how to set up, know how to attack leverage, know how to you know set up cornerbacks along their routes. KJ Hill, I was worried about his lack of deep speed, but he's even won some reps going down the football field here this week. So real, real impressive week for him. The Texas wide receiver I was excited to see this week was Devin DuVernay, former track guy, stocky though, he can break tackles, he's thick. But I think it's his been teammate, Colin Johnson, that's kind of stolen the show a little bit. Yeah, DuVernay hasn't had himself a great week. He's been kind of up and down with some nice reps, some not. And you do see the speed, though, on tape from him when he wants to crank it up. But, yeah, Colin Johnson has been uh, – he's won at a lot higher rate. To me, though, a lot of it is the kind of – the cornerbacks that he's going up against are, are have been pretty rough. He's going up against some pretty bad cornerbacks, so he's still got some concerns to his game about uh, being. He doesn't have. I mean, you look at him and then Van Jefferson on routes back to back, and just the crispness in their cuts is just night and day. Like Colin Johnson just does not have that suddenness, but he's six six, two twenty. Like there's a lot you can do with that guy uh, that doesn't necessarily have to revolve around getting wide open. How about a guy like Mims from Baylor, built similarly to Johnson? He's made a couple of really nice contested catches. Yeah, I think he might be playing his way into sort of like the best wide receiver here at the Senior Bowl status. Like he's been very explosive, very physical along his routes, and maybe too physical at times. But like I'd rather I'd rather tone a guy down than try to teach a guy to be physical. So I do think that he has a little trump card here that not a lot of other guys have in terms of the size, speed, explosiveness combination. Is It ticks the box as much as you possibly can. He's probably going to run the 4 fours, jump a 40-inch vertical, something like that. That's just who he is. Uh, and I think he ran a limited route tree at Baylor, so watching him run a, more routes than uh, what he ran last year has been valuable for him. Anyone else at wide receiver that has really jumped out to you? I, I like... Uh, Jawan Jennings here, the Tennessee wide receiver. Uh, I, I think he's had a handful of nice reps, but he's been a little up and down. I, I wanted to see more from him uh, tacking the ball down the football field. He had one really nice play day one where he jumped over the top of a cornerback to haul one in, but has, uh, has lost a couple of others down the football field as well. So uh, I'm a fan of his. I think he was actually the highest uh, ranked wide receiver heading in this week after Ayuk uh, dropped out of the Senior Bowl week. But uh, I think he's had he hasn't really necessarily moved up our board with uh, his play this week, but he's been solid.
Troutman looks great. Uh, FCS kid out of Dayton, and he just looks the part. He just looks like a better physical specimen, faster, bigger than a lot of the other tight ends here. Yeah, and this is like why the Senior Bowl exists is is for guys like him. It's because he hasn't played you know any sort of competition resembling the NFL, and, and he comes here and all of a sudden looks like the best tight ends you, you know in Mobile. So that's. That's why yeah, his draft stock is going to be basically ticking that box in terms of, hey, I belong with you know all these guys who are going to be playing in the NFL. I'm one of them, and if not the best tight end here. He's very much has the athleticism that you want to see at the position because it's, it's, a, it's a receiving position. The blocking aspect of it, I don't think even moves the needle for us here in the draft process. It is what can you do as a receiver, and can you win down the football field, and I think he's shown that. Any other tight ends here sneak their way into round two or thinking around three-plus guys? I was I was high on Jared Pinckney after the 2018 season of Vanderbilt tight end, but he's actually had one of the worst weeks of anyone here in terms of, like, I, I just have not seen any ability to separate from him, and he's on the older side as a redshirt senior. So I'm not sure any of these guys, if I were to put a name that – uh, is probably the second best tight end here. I'd probably say Harrison Bryant has made himself some money this week. The FAU tight end has looked pretty good. Uh, came in at at least a good size. I think he was in the 240s, which he might didn't always look 240 on tape. He's a pretty skinny dude like a couple years back, but has gotten bigger over the years, and I think he's been one of the better route runners here. Running back's always an issue here because everyone that's good comes out before their senior season. Bunch of guys that could be looks like scat backs or down backs, though. Yeah, I mean, the running back's also a position where in going through drills, you, you can't show anything. Like, you're not getting tackled until, until you try to get tackled. That's like the, the skill for running backs is can you break tackles? Can you make guys miss? And you're not really showing that here down in Mobile. So uh, I like Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, he's probably the highest ranked guy that we have here at the running back position, the Vanderbilt guy. Uh, but he, he was listed at 5'10", 218, comes here at 5'9", 204. And it's like... That, that's just a different back altogether. Like you mentioned, there's just, all these guys that kind of look like scat backs. None of them really are the true prototypical build. And because, like you said, not a lot of guys are waiting until they're senior at the running back. They know that uh, that's, that uh, time clock is kick, ticking for them. Prince Tega Winoho would have been, in my opinion, the second best tackle here after Jones. He ended up not going. Anyone else that you think has a legitimate shot at being a day two picket offensive tackle that was here? Yeah, I think Matt Pert, the UConn tackle, has a very good shot because uh, he has the athleticism, the size, the length, uh, and he's actually great. he's actually done fairly well in the one on ones here uh, at right tackle. And yeah, Bill Belichick watching him yesterday for a good, and so that's that's going to raise your draft stock, you know, uh, <laughs> on its own if Bill Belichick's interested in you. So I, I do think that he he does sneak his way into day two. How about the interior offensive linemen? A bunch of guys from big schools, Clemson, LSU, Ohio State, Jackson, I thought had a nice little week. Simpson was okay. Who are some of the guys in the inside that you think have worked their way into day two? I think that might be the strongest position here. I think Calvin Throckmorton was a late ad, and he's looked good, but they actually have him playing at tackle. But I think you know if you're pass protecting well at tackle, you'll probably be pass protecting well at guard too. So he's he's helped himself, I think, uh, being a late ad here. Uh, I will say also, Jonah, you mentioned Jonah Jackson. He's been, he hasn't lost a rep in the one-on-one oh, so yeah. through the first two days. That dude has very been very very good and that the LSU duo of Damian Lewis Lloyd Cushenberry uh, I, I think could be day two picks when it's all said and done both guys are built like bricks just absolute logs uh, difficult they don't see an inch versus the bull rush into the pocket uh, and both of them have looked good in the one-on-ones here so far this week although weak defensive tackle class but they've been dominating and that's that's what you need to see you know Herbert has all the tools this is event was made for him 
is he helping himself here, or do teams understand based on the tape what he shows here shouldn't really impact their evaluation? I think he's helping himself, and I think it's impossible not to show up here, see him throw against air, see the velocity oh, and the accuracy, and and at least be like, I, I, I can do something with it. Like, I, I, I can, there's, a, there's so much to work with. Someone's going to fall in love. Someone's going to draft him in the top ten of this draft. Do I want to be that team? I don't think so. Like, I, I don't want it to be me uh, just because of the tape, the quarterback things in terms of reading defenses, going through progressions, making the right read, getting the ball there quickly and efficiently were bad. Like they, they were not good at Oregon over the course of his career, and so those things are sort of difficult to mask. Uh, they're easy to mask against air, but they're difficult to mask uh, once you get to the next level and the defense will only get more complex. And so uh, I will say – uh, he, he has been impressive, though, over the course of the week uh, in the three days of practices, even in some of the team drills. So I do think if you if you loved him going in this week, you're only going to love him more. If you hated him going in this week, it's probably not going to change your opinion either. Jordan Love sneaks into the first round. What do you think? Yes, I, I would bet he does, just because of the tools. And, again, you can't teach – uh, the way he throws the football and how special some of the throws are down the football field. But, again, I don't, I don't want to be the team that does it. Like, I, I just you, – you, the same inconsistency we saw at Utah State. He actually could have, in my opinion, raised his draft stock the most. Actually changed opinions on him with his play this week if he was spot-on accurate, making great decisions with the football consistently. He could have been – he could have sort of proven to everyone that the inconsistency I saw last year was because I lost my head coach, because uh, I don't – I lost, you know, all my skill position players from the year prior. But he comes here and is missing, you know, five-yard hitches. He's, you know, waving on post routes by, you know, well overthrowing him down the football field, making some real nice throws, but also uh, the same inconsistency we saw has been here all week. And that's just – it's not it's not what you want to see from a first-round quarterback, you know. Two more questions. One, let's look back a little bit. How did Daniel Jones' performance as a rookie kind of match up to what you saw with him coming out of Duke? Because I thought he was better than I thought he was going to be quicker. We saw some of the big-time throws we saw at Duke, but some of the pocket present stuff that he had issues with at Duke I thought showing up too. So how did you guys see it? Yeah, the fumbles are a massive issue. And the pocket presence, I loved the fact that he was almost – that he could operate from tight pockets. And I thought, you know, going from Duke to the NFL, he was very NFL-ready in a lot of regards and that it was almost going to be a better situation because he was going to have more talent around him and more guys going to be getting open and beating, you know, one-on-one coverage more often than what he had at Duke because it was a terrible, terrible situation. Uh, but the pocket presence, it's almost like he's oblivious to guys around him and can work from tight pockets because he just doesn't feel like – pressure at all and doesn't know where guys are coming in so he fumbled a ton uh, that's a big issue going forward uh, I still think his ability to consistently push the ball down the field is in question he's great underneath great making quick decisions in the quick game he's you know spot on but the actual you know consistently being able to beat you and test you down the football field we didn't necessarily see a lot from him as a rookie but uh, I think when a guy plays as well as he did uh, in year one and shows some progression, you know, plays his best football towards the end of the season, you start to get excited about what he can be in the future. I love PFF because you guys have the outliers heading into the draft. You have guys that the NFL loves, you don't, Rashawn Gary. <clears throat> you have guys that the NFL doesn't, you guys love them. Give me some of the outliers that we can, we think are going to appear over the next month and two months heading into the draft, guys that maybe you guys in the NFL maybe don't agree on. Yeah, I think Caleb on Chason's one that we're probably going to just differ on because he's never been consistently productive as a pass rusher over the course of his career. The LSU edge defender, yep. uh, I think Daniel Jeremiah's latest mock had him going 11 to the Jets, uh, 11, as high as that. And he just, 
yes, he has reps where he, you know, he beat Andrew Thomas, the Georgia offensive tackle, a couple times, beat uh, uh, some tackles uh, down the stretch in, in the playoffs. He had some real nice, real high-level reps. But the consistency down to down is just not there. And he's undersized uh, and has never really necessarily produced as a pass rusher at an elite level. And so we just need to see it. You know, that's what I'll say at PFF, especially along the line of scrimmage, offensive line, defensive line, we need to see it. And I think another guy that sort of fits that bill for us is Mikai Becton, the Louisville offensive tackle. He just, this past year, he had a great year, but they didn't pass the ball much. And he didn't take many reps, like actually in pass pro one on one. And when he did, it wasn't good. The results were not good in terms of his grading uh, in those plays. So, uh, yes, he, he has all the tools. He's a freak of nature at 6'7", 370, and does not move moves like he's you know 80 pounds lighter than that. But he just have not consistently seen him get the job done in pass protection. And until we do, we're not going to get on board with him going you know top 10, which some people have him going now. Who's a guy you love that maybe the NFL doesn't? Well, I think Josh Jones is one that we've kind of been on uh, all season long in terms of just he dominated at Houston, did not only allow four pressures all season long. Uh, and, and I think that we're, we feel good about, you know, when you do that there and then do it at the senior bowl like he has. Uh, I think he's just going to be good in the NFL, has the athleticism and the tools to do it as well. So I think he's one guy we definitely uh, are going to be higher on the most. Now the last one, you mentioned Beckton. I think Jeremiah had a mock to the Giants at four, yeah. believe it or not. And this is ridiculously early, and I'm not holding you to it, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Where does talent meet need, you think, Giants number four? I know it's a deep offensive tackle class. I'm not sure you want to pick a wide receiver that early with the weapons they have. Where do you think, really, because you want, you want the guy that's going to be a good player at a value position. Where do you think that meets up together at number four? I think if Akuda's there, it's Jeffrey Akuda. Like, it almost has to be Jeffrey exactly. Akuda. He is that good. Uh, if he is not there, I can get on board with I can be on board with tackle, but not Mekhi Pekton necessarily. I think the better one might be Isaiah Simmons might be a better fit in terms of value at a position where a linebacker, having guys that can cover and and cover ground the way he can are becoming more and more valuable the way teams are attacking the middle of defenses. The middle of the field is becoming where uh, you know a lot of offenses operate now around the NFL, and to have guys who can just shut down those windows is very valuable. And so Simmons or Akuda, I think, is is your dream fit there at number four overall. Mike, great stuff. I know you've been busy all week doing radio hits. We really appreciate the time. We'll see you at the Combine. Yeah, sounds good. That's Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus. Does a great job breaking down the draft prospects as we now head into the NFL Combine. Stay tuned to Giants.com for all the coverage of the NFL draft and who the Giants might pick in 2020. And before we say goodbye, once again, you can find the Giants Little Podcast on Giants.com, the Giants mobile app, and all your favorite podcast platforms. You can find us, add us to your favorites, put us into your feed, and if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a positive review. And for all of the Giants podcast offerings, including the Giants Huddle, Big Blue Kickoff Live, our daily call-in show every day at noon, and of course, Giants Rewind with Carl Banks, go to Giants.com slash podcast. For Mike Renner, I'm John Schmelk. We'll see you next time on the Giant Huddle Podcast.